0: All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to North Haven. It's good to see you all. It's good to be seen. Welcome to all those uh, joining virtually as well. Thank you for, for doing that. Uh, we are excited to be together on this uh, Sunday, January 17th. Uh, God is continuing to reveal himself in profound and real ways. And I hope that even in the midst of what is um, undeniably been a trying and troubling not only 11 months, but... We could probably even say a few months, and we could probably even say a couple weeks. We cannot deny God's presence and faithfulness. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, we are uh, we're in the middle of a series that we're uh, using to help focus our eyes and attention on a ministry that is beginning here at North Haven Church called Stephen Ministry. We started talking about that last week. Now, some of you uh, may have been a part of Stephen Ministry. Uh, it was a part of this church uh, a little over, I want to say, 10 to 12 years ago. Uh, and some of you may have even been a part of it. Um, and Stephen Ministry, Has been a part of churches that I've pastored at previously to coming here, and I believe in the effectiveness of this ministry and how transformative it is to individuals and ultimately to the church. And uh, so we're going to talk even further uh, about care how it is that we can wrap our minds and our hearts around this idea of care. And also I just want to direct your attention to that card that was handed out to you as you walked into the church here today um, if you're interested in learning more being a part of the Stephen ministry care team you can get information by uh, following the directions on this card and uh, you'll you know you're not signing your name in blood you're not saying I'm doing this do or die you are in the process of expressing interest wanting to to know more details. And as I challenged you, and as I'll continue to do uh, today and then in the weeks that follow, uh, challenging you to prayerfully consider whether God wants you a part of this ministry. This is a big commitment. Stephen ministry isn't just something that you sign up for and, and show up whenever it works out for your schedule. It is a commitment to prepare yourself intellectually as well as spiritually, emotionally, mentally uh, for the prospect of caring for another individual. And uh, that is, a, that is a, a time period of commitment in regards to training and weekly uh, sessions that, that equip you to be able to do just that. And uh, so please, prayerfully consider whether God is calling you to be a part of that because, as I mentioned, I believe it's going to change lives and this church. Have you ever <clears throat> heard the name Chris McCandless? Anybody... Uh, Yep, all right, Chris McCandless, uh, he's uh, an individual, uh, he's passed, he was a young man, Uh, there's been a movie that was made about him, a book that was written about him, I'm sure there's been many books actually written about him, Uh, but the movie was called Into the Wild, it was out, um, I want to say about 10 years ago, but uh, Chris McCandless, um, you can see an image of him hopefully on the screen behind me here, So he graduated from Emory University in Georgia in 1990. So after that, after he graduated from college, he traveled across North America and eventually hitchhiked to Alaska in April of 1992. It was there that he entered the Alaskan bush. Anybody ever been to that part of the world? Yeah, it's a pretty... Desolate area, isn't it? It's one of the few places in the world that is truly the, probably the way it was hundreds of years ago. <clears throat> but he goes into the Alaskan bush with minimal supplies and he wants to just live off the land. And on the eastern bank of the Sushana River, McCandless found an abandoned bus, which he's uh, sitting in front of here. So he set up that camera, it was, he, he took it himself. And uh, he used this bus as a makeshift shelter until his death soon after. So in September, in September, his decomposing body, it weighed only 67 pounds because he had lost so much weight. They think that he had eaten possibly some poisonous berries that made it impossible for him to uh, be able to keep food down. <clears throat> he was found inside the bus by a hunter that came upon the scene. But he largely went into the Alaskan bush specifically because he wanted to get away from people. He wanted to live in isolation. He wanted to get away from his family. He wanted to get away from his friends. He wanted to get away from the trappings and issues that come from being around other people. He was, uh, uh, you know, an introvert's dream. We daydream about these kinds of things, right? But he had been reading a book while he was traveling and then while he was also um, isolated in this bus in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness, uh, the book Dr. Shivago. <clears throat> and there he wrote a note next to the following passage in the book. So this is the passage in the book. Quote, and so it turned out that only a life similar to the life of those around us merging with it without a ripple, is genuine life, and that an unshared happiness is not happiness, and this was most vexing of all. Now, that passage that I just read in the the book Dr. Shivago, is significant because if you've read the book, the story's protagonist, he realizes that a life of service to others which is a life that he once had but that he threw away, would have been a better choice than the path that he chose to follow. So similarly to that, Chris McCandless, in this book, while he was isolated in the Alaskan wilderness, wrote this phrase, happiness only real when shared. We see a similar message in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to that. If you don't, obviously it'll be on the screen or, or it'll be on your uh, computer or phone screen as you're watching the message virtually. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, there's some debate as to who the author of this, um, this book is. Some believe it was Solomon. But regardless, the author here in chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, this is, he writes these familiar verses, many of these verses we know, and we could probably even recite from heart. Starting with verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Verse 10. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will, be, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And in verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, we're going to look at this passage we're going to look at some aspects in regards to this, but, but before we do, I want to kind of just lay out our approach to this passage here today. So when I worked at Cameron Boys' Camp in 2003 to 2004 in North Carolina, Cameron, Cameron Boys' Camp, a wilderness camp for emotionally disturbed boys, I worked specifically with 14 to 16-year-old boys along with two other counselors. And we lived in the middle of the wilderness there in the Piedmont, middle of the, of the state. Uh, it was miles from our campsite to any sort of civilization. So we were there. We had we had very little running water, but certainly no electricity living in tents. So when we had problems, we had to work out problems amongst ourselves. We didn't have resources to come in and save the day. And so whenever a a, a kid um, presented a problem, we did what we called PSP. And that's what we're going to do today. PSP. Problem, solution, prevention. What's the problem? What's the solution? What's the prevention? So that's what we're going to do, and I'm going to start by giving away the ending. What's the problem? Well, the problem we're going to look at here today is that many, many knowingly isolate themselves from others and from God. That's the problem. What's the solution? The solution is that you can escape isolation when you open yourself to others, intentionally open yourself up to others and to God. That's the solution. The prevention, which is a critical part of this process, because it's, yeah, it's one thing to recognize the problem, too, it's another thing to say, okay, we need to come up with a solution, but then how do you prevent from this occurring again? So the prevention... The prevention is to ensure peace exists in your life. You have to intentionally weave your life with others. You have to get enmeshed, entangled with others and with God. So, for those of you who like short messages, you could probably officially check out for the rest of my talk, and you got it. Three points, there it is. You read it, wrote it down, you'll be able to tell your friends and family what I talked about today. <clears throat> But ultimately, the message of today is that in light of this ministry, Stephen ministry, that we're, that we're highlighting and that we're using as kind of a, 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 a launching pad for some of these topics, the body of Christ and when we say the body of Christ, for those of you who maybe aren't aware with that, of that term, we're talking about all believers, all people who have decided to follow Jesus and make him the leader of their life, whether it's in this church or in any other church throughout the entire world. But the body of Christ, but then specifically this church, North Haven Church, should be made up of people who willingly and actively receive care, receive care from others and from God, and give care to others. So what we're going to do is first is obviously look at the problem. That's the first step of the PSP process. So again, the problem that we're addressing here today is that many, many knowingly, so many, when I say many, I'm saying people, yes, in this room, people watching virtually, many knowingly isolate themselves from others and from God. Now, we know, we know what I'm talking about here. I don't have to break this down. Yes, there's a big difference. I'm going to, though. But yes, there's a big difference between being in isolation. You know, we've experienced a lot of that these last 11 months. People who have, because of circumstances, because of situations, had to be isolated. We think of our loved ones who have been in assisted living and nursing homes, who have largely been isolated because of circumstances, beyond their control. But what I'm talking about is a a mentality, a way of life that's existed well before COVID, continues now and honestly is going to continue uh, for months and years to come unless we go through the process of PSP, identifying the problem, coming up with a solution, and then realizing the prevention. But the problem that many knowingly isolate themselves from others, that is an intentional decision on your part or mine to say, "I'm, I'm not going to intentionally pursue other people. I'm not going to open my life to other people for whatever reason. Maybe that's because uh, it's scary or it's too much work. Or maybe it's because you don't feel that you're, you know, worthy of other people's attention. Maybe you believe that if they got to know you, really got to know you, that they wouldn't like what they see. And so it's just easier to isolate yourself. Whatever, whatever the situation or circumstance is, many find themselves in this reality. Many are not connected with meaningful relationships. And when I say meaningful relationships, let me just tell you, there are many people that I know in my life who have a lot of friends. We, you you know people like that. You might be somebody like that. You have lots of friends. And you, you just get a lot of energy from being around people. We kind of know the the barometer between introvert and extrovert, right? Introverts, uh, contrary to popular opinion, I'm an introvert. (gasps) I, I get energy from being by myself. That doesn't mean that I don't enjoy being around others because I do. I very much enjoy that. But extroverts, we know that. Us introverts, those extroverts drive us crazy, don't they? Because they love being around other people. And that's what they constantly, constantly need to do and get in order to receive that energy. But you can be an extrovert and have lots of friendships but not have meaningful relationships. There's a difference. Many are not connected with meaningful relationships. And from a health perspective, that's actually a very dangerous proposition. There's a study, for example... (laughs) that tracked 7,000 people over nine years. It's, it's an important research project on relationships. It's called the um, Alameda County Study. You can look it up. Researchers involved in the study found that isolated individuals, again, 7,000 people over nine years, but isolated individuals were three times more likely to die than those with relationship connections strikingly even those individuals who exhibited like poor health habits like smoking or poor eating high alcohol use but yet had strong relationships lived a lot longer than those who had really good health habits yet remained isolated from others and so in other words as the study suggests and this is a quote from the study it is better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone I think I'm going to put that on Facebook. I like that, right? The research concluded that if a person belongs to no relational groups but decides to join one, that person will, quote, cut their risk of dying over the next year and a half. See, we were not created. You were not created to live in isolation. That wasn't the way that God intended For us to exist we need not look any further than the creation of man at the very beginning it it didn't please god to see man alone so what did god do he created a companion because relationship is critical to our condition ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 11 if two lie down together they will keep warm but how can one, keep warm alone. You see, you and I, we need others in our life who will walk with us and be with us when we are cold. And I'm not just talking about temperature because there will be moments, there will be moments when you will be pushed aside by life. And you can be walking on that right road, you could be doing all the right things and yet find yourselves in, in the midst of severe trials. And because of this, you desperately, you desperately need relationships. You need relationship, you need support, you need encouragement, you need generosity from others. We need to stop, we need to stop not being okay with receiving help from other people. We need to allow other people in our lives so who can generously and, and with encouragement and support walk with us but we also need that from God. So that's the problem. The solution is that you can escape isolation when you open yourself up to others and to God. Now, who's the onus on with this? You. You. This is an intentional, willful decision on your part. As uncomfortable as it may seem, as inconvenient as it may seem, As challenging as it may seem, it is still our responsibility to intentionally, willfully open ourselves up to others and to God. Back in the third and fourth centuries, and even today, but especially then, a familiar association of holiness. So when you thought of holiness back in the third and fourth century, um, it, it represented solitude and silence. Back then, people who were really holy were the ones who lived like hermits. And those were people who wandered alone in the desert. They spent their days fasting and praying and then seeing visions. And in fact, some of these quote holy, unquote holy hermits, they ate nothing but grass sometimes and they lived in trees or they never bathed. Some of us maybe know people like that. They're not hermits. But anyways, uh, (laughs) that's that's what they referred to in the third and fourth centuries. Now, here's a picture of a gentleman then. uh, His name is uh, uh, Pachamaias, not a photograph. Pachamaias, he was an Egyptian soldier who changed what it meant to be Holy. Pacquemius became a Jesus follower as an adult. He then, when he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior, he became very serious about his faith. And as was uh, normal for somebody at that time to be that serious about his faith, he became resolute, focused, to become as, quote, holy, unquote, as he could be. And so he did what other people did at that time, He decided to follow uh, an aesthetic way of life, that hermit holy mentality of isolation, and he followed a man named Palamon. And Palamon taught Pocomaius a life of self-denial, isolation, and silence, which was the norm. However, Pocomaius started to really question this lifestyle, and he asked himself... Four questions, four questions, and I think that these are four important questions when we consider the solution to the problem that I presented. The first question is this, how can someone learn to love if no one else is around to love? The second question, how could someone learn humility when they live life alone? And the third question, how could someone learn kindness, gentleness, or goodness in isolation? And then the fourth question, I think it's very, very profound. How can someone learn patience unless someone puts theirs to the test? So after all this pondering, Pachamaius concluded that a person develops spiritual fruit Kindness, goodness, gentleness, peace. Only when around other people. Plain, ordinary, flawed people. Sounds like us, doesn't it? Pachomius began to bring together then, in response to this realization, he began to bring together people into communities. And again, this is very contradictory to what was normal at that time. Holiness meant silence and isolation. But Pachomius said, no, we're going to bring people into communities where people together would pursue holiness, not in isolation, but in being with flawed and demanding and sometimes disagreeable people. And this resulted in communities of people who then learned to take hurt rather than give it. And these communities, these communities began then to find that disagreements and oppositions, it gave way for redemption and grace because isolation fades away when we open ourselves up to others and when we open ourselves up to the Almighty. So lastly, the prevention. Understanding the problem. What is the solution? And then how can we prevent this from happening again? And how peace exists in our lives when we weave together, when we enmesh our lives, when we entangle our lives with others and, and then with God. Now, maybe you've heard the term interdependence. Have you heard that term before? Interdependence means the state of being dependent upon one another, mutual dependence. That sounds like what the body of Christ should be. We need to become enmeshed, entangled with one another. We need that for ourselves. We need that for each other. When we intentionally weave our lives, when we intentionally, intentionally entangle our lives with others, we become stronger. That's what the author in Ecclesiastes is, is, is pointing out Here look back at those verses, two are better than one. Forget the schoolhouse rock, three is a magic number. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor, meaning that two as opposed to one bring greater success and blessing. And if either one of the two falls down, one can help the, help the other up because the author talks about because how horrible would it be if one fell down and there was no one to help them up. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. They will protect one another. And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You see, you and I, the author is saying, are better together. We're better together. That's why the Apostle Paul mentions unity so much in the New Testament. Have you noticed that? Paul talking to these, writing to all these various churches in the New Testament, whether you're talking about the church in Corinth or the church in Ephesus or the church in Philippi, one of the constant issues that the church was dealing with and still dealing with today is unity. Paul's essentially saying, time and time again, we're better together. Because when we isolate, when we isolate, we push others away. And when we remain resolute that we can do life on our own, when we divide, We become much less than what God wants for us. We become much less than what God intended for his people and for his church. And we also then, when we isolate ourselves, we become more susceptible to who? The enemy. But also notice how the author in Ecclesiastes finishes this sentiment. He says in verse 12, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Three, where did that come from? Again, if we look at those verses, two are better than one. If either one of them falls down, if two lie down together, if one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then out of nowhere, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Why all of a sudden three? Three. Well, the author here does a quick about face. After having underlined the importance of relying on others, resisting the pull towards isolation, and instead leaning into messy, life giving, and needed relationships with others, the author now states that a third party needs to be involved. In Psalm chapter 62, verses 5 through 8, we see these verses. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock. He is my refuge Trust in God at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. We need to not only weave and entangle our lives with messy, flawed, screwed-up people, but we need to do that together while also entangling our lives with God. We receive much more strength together when we wrap ourselves around the Almighty. Yes, we need to be interdependent with each other. That is, mutually willing to put ourselves out there saying, I need help. I need prayer. I need wisdom. I need someone to talk to. I just need someone to sit beside me. But we also need to together, together be dependent on the almighty, our rock, our salvation, our fortress, our refuge. That is how the body of Christ should exist, willingly, willingly and intentionally opening our lives to others and to God for all things. And Stephen ministry helps us get there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the glory that you proclaim, the majesty, Lord, that you perpetuate just by your very existence. I thank you that you are God, that you stand above, that you are transcendent, but yet you don't remain distant. You pursue us, you stand at the door and knock. And Lord, for us, for myself, I pray that we would respond to this tremendous love and pursuit by not isolating ourselves by not dismissing others or you, by not trying to do things on our own because we think that that makes us tougher or because we think that, that we, we would just be wasting people's time or, or making them or causing them to deal with something they don't want to deal with. I, I, I pray that we would instead courageously say, this is who I am. That I need prayer, I need support, I need encouragement. I need a listening ear. And that we would allow people into our lives, people that will walk with us, that will encourage us and support us, and that we would respond by doing that to others as well. And then that together, while having been enmeshed and entangled with one another, that we would wrap ourselves around you our rock, our fortress, our refuge, we pray in your name. Amen.